The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by Alumni Ventures. Invest with confidence. Discover the power of venture investing with Alumni Ventures, America's largest venture firm for individual investors. Learn more at av.vc. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another exciting episode of Negotiate Anything. Negotiate Anything is produced by the American Negotiation Institute. And with over 3 million downloads and listeners in over 180 countries, listeners just like you have made it the number one negotiation podcast in the world. I'm Kwame Christian, and I'm the director of the American Negotiation Institute. We're growing, and I want to introduce you to our new team members and new trainers. This will give you new and diverse perspectives on negotiation and conflict resolution. And that's why Shane Martin, our head of sales and partnerships, is going to serve as co-host of the show from time to time. We're excited to continue to provide you with the best content that will help to make your difficult conversations easier, both at work and at home. Lastly, our team conducts negotiation and conflict resolution trainings in the United States and abroad. Our trainings will give you the practical skills you need to resolve conflict, negotiate, lead, and persuade with confidence. Click the link in the description below to learn more about how we can make your difficult conversations easier. Athol, thanks for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Yes, likewise, my friend. I think it's very timely. Uh, so how about you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Well, um, my uh, professional life has been probably in three different acts, I think. Act one, um, I, I worked with the BBC as a journalist and uh, an executive on the news side, mainly on the television news side, for quite a long time. Act two, uh, I worked in various businesses as a, as a change leader, as a director, transformation change leader. And then now in Act 3, hopefully hopefully not my final act, um, I sit on some boards as an advisor, but I'm also an executive coach. And, you know, I live and breathe um, how we're more effective as leaders in the corporate world. And wow, don't we face some challenges now as we hopefully come out of COVID and come out of lockdown. And the whole world of leadership and the whole world of work has been turned upside down. Absolutely. And you have a book that speaks to that too, right? Yeah. So take you way back to March 2020 when the pandemic began and we decided in one of the businesses I work in, Black Isle Group, we decided to set off on a project called Leaders in Lockdown. It ended up in this uh, book. So we followed 28 global business leaders through the pandemic, trying to find out, get insights into their leadership. You know, how did they survive? How did they help their businesses to survive? But probably the more relevant bit of it now is their insights into how the world will change because of what we've all been through. And that morphed into workshops that we've been doing all around the world with teams trying to help them lead out of lockdown, lead out of lockdown, how to come to terms with the, the many challenges that we now face in this next period, challenges that are different from what we've just been through, but uh, no less difficult to solve. Wow. So hybrid working, uh, remote working, how to be effective, how to lead remote teams, 
um, how to work with virtual teammates, what is hybrid working, all this kind of thing, and what kind of leadership is going to be more effective in the next bit. And we kind of start from the premise that COVID has exposed that an awful lot of what we were doing, whether it was in work or it was in society, has been exposed as being not fit for purpose, um, not fit for the future and probably um, not fit for the past. So I'm an, I'm an evangelist for change, change at work, change in society and changes in the way that leaders lead. This is great. Yeah. And, and to that point, that's what we're going to focus on. What leadership looks like in this new world and communication and persuasion, what does that look like? And so for the listeners, so you have a little roadmap to follow. Um, these are the three things we're going to focus on. Number one, when it comes to working from home, what are the main communication challenges that we face? Number two, how do we cultivate trust and strengthen teamwork among virtual teammates? And then lastly, what kinds of leaders will succeed in this new world of work? So let's start off with number one. So for you, based on your experience and what you've seen, what are the biggest challenges that we face when it comes to communication, when it comes to this virtual world? Well, they're huge, aren't they? Because humans are basically programmed to communicate face-to-face, eye-to-eye. You know, all the stuff that we do about shadowing each other's body language about picking up all these non-verbal cues and they say that around about 70 percent of trust and sincerity really comes from the the verbal signals sorry from the visual signals uh, that we get from people and uh, if we exist in this zoom world we take so much of that away so much of that away And then for creativity, uh, for building trust, for working together, um, we really kind of do that best when we're in the same room. Uh, And that's not happening now. And I think what what I certainly see in the, the many clients that we work with is that people coped out of necessity in the first six, nine, even 12 months of uh, lockdown and COVID. But they struggle. I think they struggle now. And uh, we're missing a lot of that face-to-face interaction. Big debate in many parts of the world about, you know, we're going to have this hybrid working. Is it three and two? Three days in the office, two days at home? Is it two and three? That, my man, is not the issue. The issue really is break it down into place. What is the environment in which we will be most effective, that we will maximize our potential? What's the environment? And that may be the home environment, maybe the office environment. The office world that we we lived in um, has been exposed, has been not fit for purpose. So that's the first thing. Reconsider place, reconsider time and the flexibility, the family time, the time to be healthier that we've had um, in this lockdown world what are we going to do about time and what time we spend at work but then really the most important thing is what is the culture that's most effective because we've kind of seen presenteeism should be dead because of what we've been through command and control has been pretty well exposed as not being that effective it's empowerment the listening leader 
the caring leader, the compassionate leader, the delegating leader, the leader that um, is confident to say, I don't have all the answers. You guys have the answers. Um, so I, I think we focus on these, um, we focus on these three things in a big way, place, time and culture. And there are, there are really serious um, issues to be addressed there about what we could change in the way that corporate life uh, takes place in this world. Um, and I think we should do it because as one of my leaders in lockdown said, um, what we were doing before, is that really what we were put on this earth to do? That kind of corporate life? You know, so much unproductive work um the the presenteeism of uh, you know wall street at its worst that the people who are thought to be contributing best are sometimes the people who are at their desk at the earliest time in the morning and are still at the their desk at the latest time of night um you know that's nonsense challenge it the time now is to reset and to challenge nearly everything that we've been doing in corporate life and create a better way to work. I agree. I, I really love that response. And I like how you synthesized it down to these three core elements, the environment, time, and culture, and um, really challenging people to question whether or not the way that we're doing things is fit for the purpose, to our ultimate yeah. goal. Yeah. And what I've recognized in talking to different people um, and going into different organizations and helping them with with conflict resolution, recognizing that last point about culture is often an underlying factor that's not recognized or fully appreciated. And so sometimes you might have a company culture where presenteeism is, is uh, reign supreme. And so I, you need to have that FaceTime with the boss in order to prove yeah. to the boss that you are in fact working. And so for those folks who find themselves in those types of situations where the the work culture and the environment and the understanding of time hasn't really caught up with the um, the the modern conceptualization of what work can and should be, what advice do you have for them when it comes to leading within your organization and, and potentially creating positive change? Does your company invest in professional development training? If you believe that your team would benefit from a negotiation workshop, all you need to do is go to our website, fill out the workshop request form, and then we'll set up a time to chat. These workshops are completely customizable and we've done them all around the country. Negotiation and conflict resolution skills are beneficial across all professions, but they're especially useful in procurement, purchasing, sales, sourcing, and contract management. Our calendar is filling up quickly and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Check out the link in the description to learn more. And now, back to the show. Hi, I'm DC Marshall. Hi, I'm Mita Malik. We are the co-host of the Brown Table Talk podcast, where we discuss how to help women of color thrive in their workplaces. And we invite allies to join us to help women of color win at work. We have a seat waiting for you. Subscribe to Brown Table Talk wherever you enjoy podcasts. From the minds of visionaries to the desks of disruptors, I'm Lars Schmidt, host of the Redefining Work podcast. 
Join me each week as we explore the new world of work through the lens of those shaping it. CEOs, HR leaders, investors, and more. Be a part of the conversation that changes everything. Subscribe to Redefining Work today. Well, my, my first challenge is that presenteeism, uh, and to a certain extent, command and control, is actually a sign of the leader lacking confidence and being unable to trust their people. And that's the place where we need to start. Uh, sometimes it's the leader's fear um, of people making mistakes. Uh, maybe we have to be a little bit more accepting of um, some mistakes. But we need to engender, because what we always saw at the peak of the crisis, when people were very empowered, um, was that they did remarkable things. They dropped the unproductive work, they focused, and of course they needed the direction of and the genuine leadership of our leaders. Um, but when they worked with empowerment, um, they did remarkable stuff. Um, and I think that you do see people who, you do see leaders, the leaders that I've been observing and working with fall into two camps those who really get that things need to change and those who I'm afraid are harking to go back to the way that things were because that's a natural human instinct. And the latter camp, I'm afraid, will eventually be, be toast because their competitors, some of them, uh, will be in the former camp and will be doing things very differently and having empowered, um, innovative, creative um, teams. And just on the, the kind of environment, let me tell you a little anecdote of uh, one of the leaders that, that we worked with in this project was Mark Thompson, who was then the chief executive of the New York Times. And he went into the offices there uh, of Times Square. I think there's normally about five or 6,000 people in these offices. And on the day he went in, he had to do his Wall Street, he had to do his earnings call. So he had to go to a secure phone in the office to do that. There were only about a dozen people in the office. And Mark has one of these fold-up Brompton bicycles. So he decided to unfold his bicycle and just to cycle around the office space of the New York Times. And when he cycled around it, he said, empty as it was with you know a discarded pullover or jumper, um, you know, with a potted plant here, a photograph of a family that uh, you know had fallen over, it, it just looked like a very bizarre place, the empty place. And he, and he wondered, why were we bringing these thousands of people into an office to plug themselves in uh, for the day? Like, and he said, like cows in an empty milking parlor. That's what it looked like, an empty milking parlor. And, uh, you know, this was back in May 2020. And he, he said, it just struck me that this is all wrong and it's not the best environment for people to be creative uh, and happy and uh, empowered. And they were probably at home, uh, you know, being more creative than, than they were doing these journeys into the centre of Manhattan and plugging them in themselves in like cows in that milking parlour. It's a really interesting anecdote. And... For him to realize that, that also that shows a couple of things. First of all, he's recognizing, hey, um, people are at home and 
they're still getting work done because what he what he didn't say is I see all these empty desks and I'm overwhelmed by anxiety because I don't believe my people are producing. He said, yeah, it's kind of curious that we thought this was the way. <laughs> and sometimes it takes these extreme circumstances to help us to understand that yeah. there is a better or different way of doing things. And these are light bulb moments, certainly. And I think so many people have had these light bulb moments during COVID uh, and we need to hold on to them. And these need to be the 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 burning platforms uh, for change of that, um, I have no doubt. Absolutely. And I think this is a perfect time for us to segue into that next point, our point number two, which is how do we cultivate trust and strengthen teamwork among virtual team members? And this is really interesting because one of the things that you said earlier was the fact that sometimes leaders struggle to fully embrace this new virtual world of work because they don't trust the people on their team. And so it's not just we have to have trust uh, laterally to the people who are working collaboratively with us on our projects. Our leaders within companies also need to trust their teams. And based on my experience, and I'd be interested to hear your perspective, it seems as though there's it's more difficult for the leaders to trust their team than the team to trust their leaders in this world. And I'd be interested to see your perspective on that. Well, there's a couple of things in this for me. Um, you know, people often um, ask us as executive coaches, how do I build trust, right? And there's a simplicity to building trust. The way that you build trust is that you keep your promises every day and you keep your promises on small things. You know, we have a saying at uh, Black Isle Group, one of the, the businesses that I work in, that um, you only reach your big goals through everyday actions. Um, and working a lot with clients, uh, we break those big goals down and work with people, we have a technology called a nudge technology, you know, which, which works on apps. And it's really taking it right down to what are the three or four things that you're going to do today that's going to help to get to that big goal. So if we were, so I, I was, I had a swim in the sea just before I came to this uh, podcast tonight. And uh, my, my example of it is if I want to swim around the island that's here, I'm not going to swim around the island and back on the first day. So I have to swim 50 and then maybe I have to swim for three minutes and then maybe I have to swim for five minutes and I have to do it again and again and again. I get regularity and get a habit going and then I get to my big goal. Well, it's the same. Uh, it's the same in the, in the, in the workplace. Um, it's the same with building trust. So building trust, Strengthening teamwork, my um, thing that I am focusing on now with a lot of clients is how do we, what are the everyday actions, the new everyday actions post-COVID that we can take people so that they're taking these small steps towards that goal. And this technology that, that we use, it's just an aid. It, it, it helps, but it's we, we spend so much of our lives now on our, on our iPhones and on our apps that it's kind of a modern, uh, it's a modern nudger. Um, to get you there, uh, but you know, without without trust, we're nothing. As a team, without trust, we're nothing. Whether you know, you see this, and uh, I, I spend a bit of time in the sports world as well. 
um, and we we need we need to trust. And one of one of the tools um, that we've been using recently, and I'm interested if this will grab the attention of some of the people who listen to this, is uh, I've been doing a thing called um, life storytelling to build trust. And life storytelling is literally we take time with our colleagues to tell our colleagues what we've done in our life, what we care about, what our families are doing, what the challenges that we've been through, um, what are you know, the deep stuff that we care about in our past. And I believe that by sharing these stories, we build trust because people then realize that actually, no matter what our gender is, our ethnicity is, our religion is, whatever our, our background may be, that we're actually trying to triumph against uh, exactly the same uh, challenges, the same struggles in our life. And there's a commonality, you know, there's a, there's a family is a great commonality between all of us. You know, I'm lucky enough to work in many places around the world. And you know what? Put the news to one side and uh, the people that I meet and the people I work with, they're trying to bring up their families good. You know, they're trying to care for their families. They're trying to look after their children. They're trying to educate them. They've got the same, uh, the same challenges. They've got the challenges at work. They've got the challenges of balancing their health with their work, finding equilibrium. Uh, finding out what the meaning of all this is, leaving a leg, all all this stuff, and I, I, you know, thoroughly recommend life storytelling as a way of um, bringing teams together and of building trust. I think that's a great example. I, I was looking just on uh, on Netflix last night. Um, there, there's a show called Explained, and they were talking about explain they were explaining different scientific things and they were talking about attraction human attraction romantic sexual attraction whatever it happens to be and one of the keys to attraction was reciprocity and so the reciprocity between people when it comes to storytelling with self-disclosure reciprocal vulnerability and so what you just said is really powerful um, because we don't necessarily want to attract our coworkers romantically because that creates different problems. Uh, but we want to build that trust and friendship and that feeling of connectedness. And I think that's more difficult to do virtually. But if you're intentional about creating these opportunities for people to share stories um, bi-directionally, I think it goes a long way for creating trust. And the thing that's interesting, though, is that we're living in a time where people feel busier than ever. And so from your perspective, how can a leader carve out that time for that storytelling without increasing people's level of stress and, and anxiety? <laughs> because they say, wait, no, I have work to do. Well you, well, you know, if you're not doing team building and, if, you know, you need to be doing team building, you need to be bringing your team together. And you just build this into the rhythm um, of what of what you're doing. Uh, you know, I'm not suggesting it's a it's additional activity, but the power of it, the importance of it. Because if we don't work as teams, you know, if we go back into the silos 
Um, if we don't share information, if we don't share solutions, then we're putting a huge inefficiency into our organizations. So uh, I, I I recommend this uh, thoroughly, and it's about it's about. I mean, you know, I, I use this phrase unproductive work. At the peak of the pandemic, we all focused on what was absolutely necessary, wasn't it? Absolutely necessary to get to get through, and a lot of stuff just fell by the wayside. Now, my my challenge, and some of the people that that we're working with, they say. It is revealed there is so much unproductive work that we do, particularly in large corporates. There is masses and masses of time spent doing things which do not actually um, materially shift us towards our big goal and our outcome. And you know, if you get rid of if you get rid of a lot of that, boy, what time do you uh, free up? in your organization, time that can be spent on uh, visioning, thinking, taking a breath, caring for your people, spending more time inspiring, motivating people. Um, so, you know, that's, that's, that's the way to go for me. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And now with this last point, talking about leadership skills, more particularly what types of leaders will succeed in this new world of work. We've touched on this, but I, I want you to focus on some of those key elements that leaders can take in order to succeed and, and lead effectively in this new world of work. Okay. So one of the, um, the suggestions we make uh, in the book Leaders in Lockdown is that COVID actually exposed that this is the end of the superman leader. And we did mean the superman leader. Um, and really that this was a time where that empowering leader that we talked about before, that empowering, caring, listening, compassionate leader came through. So um, my thing really now is in some of the companies that we're, the corporations that we're working with, is to look at, um, the selection of leaders and the development of leaders and the maximizing of the potential of leaders and their teams. So that's 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 one thing in leadership. And another thing in leadership that the um, the crisis accentuated is reminding us that leaders are at all levels. They're not just the people who have leadership in their titles. So we worked with. Um, people from a very large care home business. And they had a, a thousand residents in their care homes died in the first hundred days of the crisis, including several of the, of the employees. And in that organization, the people, like in, ma in many, if, if not all, um, care and health organizations through this crisis, um, the heroes were everywhere. The heroes were from the people who um, worked in the kitchens, on the receptions, who were the, the porters or the drivers. Um, you know, there were just so many heroes across the whole place that showed up remarkable leadership. And that's another thing I think that you take from this. Uh, it's that encouraging, that nurturing of leadership at every level in organizations. And the, you know, the answer to what kind of leader will succeed um, we looked at 
probably working with about a hundred different groups recently. What do they want to hold on to from the crisis? Well, they want to hold on to agility and pace, and, but they want to do it in a way that they're not burning everyone out. So what kind of leaders um, are good at that? They want to give up this uh, unproductive work to, to bring focus. They want to do things uh, with more care and compassion of that. There's no doubt. So it's leaders who can, who can do these things are going to be the leaders um, who can conquer. That's great. And for those listeners out here who are trying to become that leader, who are struggling to embody those principles, what would you say is one active step that they can take in the right direction to, to make that shift? Get a very good executive coach. And get get an executive coach <laughs> I, I like who that. will who will <laughs> not me. It doesn't need to be me, but but honestly, you, you need you need to take space. Whether it's with a, it might be with a family member, it might be with a mentor, it might be with some some senior wise person who has been through has walked the path that you're about to walk, or it might be an executive coach, but. Um, you know, in, in the executive coaching that uh, that we work with, um, the first thing that we're really saying to people is that so much of human life, so much of the understanding of motives and feelings is actually in your subconscious. You know, this is like a big iceberg and the bit, the conscious bit that pokes out the top that we show to other people, um, the real meaning in in how we, we perform as humans and how we perform as executives is in that subconscious. And that, you know, there, there are a few little maxims that um, we would work with some of our executives on. That is starting to get under that subconscious is, is one. Um, number two is that um, so much of us is shaped by our past. And understanding our past is, is pretty well the key to understanding our, our future. We are defined as leaders by the way that we restrain or express our emotion. And then the final one for me is that there is a rationale behind every human act, but very often it's not what is immediately presenting itself to you. You need to dig a little bit deeper to find out why did you really do that? Or why did someone else really do that? Or why is the team reacting like that? Why is the board reacting like that? Why why is the chairman doing that? You know, why are your colleagues doing this? And a lot of the time, uh, it's not for the reason that's immediately presenting. And, and it, in that, encapsulated in that, really is the essence of creating the new kind of leader. And, and many people... Uh, you know, many people have been doing this for a very long time. So it's not something that, that we've just discovered. We just need more leaders to be like that. And when the problems are increasingly complex, which they are, and, you know, we don't, who, who has the answers to what, what the new world of work look, look, looks like, to what hybrid uh, working looks like? Well, nobody has the answers. So it's got to evolve and, and, um, We've got to work it out. But yeah, my one thing is uh, 
get a get a really good executive coach. That's fantastic. Athol, I I really appreciate you coming on the show again. And um, before you go, can you let the listeners know how they can get in touch with you? Sure. So I chair a leadership development business, uh, which is based in the UK. We do a lot of stuff in the States, and it's called Black Isle Group. And you can get us at blackislegroup.com. I have my own website for um, conference speaking and coaching, and that's atholduncan.com. That's A-T-H-O-L-L. Duncan.com. And then the, the book is Leaders uh, in Lockdown. And I haven't been able to get to the US um, for a while, but I'm going to be right back there as soon as I'm allowed and working with uh, my great American friends and my great American colleagues to try and create a better world of work. Uh, and the, the, my final uh, little thought on this is we all need to help each other. That's another thing that has really been emphasized by the crisis. Uh, we need to be a community in business, in professions that um, doesn't just stick to particular companies, but uh, we all need to help each other across sectors, across companies, across countries, across cities. Um, you know, the human race needs to cooperate because actually, we're kind of trying to do the same thing. We're trying to get to the same place. So let's just help each other a bit more. Absolutely. Well, thank you, my friend. We really appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing what you have to offer. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations. You've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you, and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.